This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Polly Campbell, and this is Simply Said. Hello, 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 and welcome to Polly Campbell's Simply Said, the podcast where we talk about how to live well, do good, and be happy. Really, how to be successful in our lives, how to discover meaning and purpose, have fun, feel healthy, all those things, and even how to get lucky, right? Because living a good life and creating these opportunities for ourselves can take some luck. Years ago, I had a stroke of luck. I was a young newspaper reporter who had dreams of going off on our own and becoming a freelance writer and writing books and all the things that I've done since. But at the time, it, it seemed kind of like a pipe dream. I wasn't making very much money and was working really hard. And I attended this writer's conference. And at the conference, they gave people an opportunity to have some of their articles critiqued by a more veteran editor. Now, the people in my group that I was going with thought this was ridiculous, right? They had more experience than me and they didn't need another newspaper editor critiquing their work. They knew just what to do. But I decided to do it. So I took some samples of work and I worked with a editor at a big daily newspaper and she reviewed my work and critiqued it and gave me good feedback. And that was that. Fast forward a couple of years later and I left my job to become a full-time writer. And I was having a hard time. I was a few months into this and like any new business, uh, I was struggling to make a go of it and learning about it and make ends meet. And out of the blue, I got a phone call. I had done a story about this woman at the fire department. And it turns out the subject of that story was best friends with the editor who had critiqued my work years before at the conference. That editor had a job. She needed somebody to do some freelance work. And when she heard I was out in the world working as a writer, she called to see if I'd give it a try. And it became one of my most important clients. It became an important friend in my life and a mentor who really made me a better writer. I think I got lucky. I think the series of coincidences that had to come together for that was just pure luck. But I'm curious about this because it also added a lot of meaning and magic to my life and it helped me build my business. So we're going to get all into that today. Do we just get lucky? Can we have these moments of serendipity and create even more to help us lead meaningful lives and the lives we want to live? We're going to talk about it today, and we are lucky enough to have one of the world's experts, Dr. Christian Bush, on the podcast. Hello, Dr. Bush. 
Hi, Polly. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for being here. Dr. Christian Bush is the faculty director of CGA Global Economy Program at NYU, and he's the author of The Serendipity Mindset, The Art and Science of Creating Good Luck. So we're going right to the expert. What do you think about my story? Did I just get lucky when I, when I got that chance to write for that editor? Well, it's interesting, right? I think it beautifully shows how serendipity is that kind of interplay between chance and somehow an open mind and really connecting dots, right? And 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 I think that's why I got so excited about serendipity, uh, because in a way, there's both something that we can do about it, and then a little bit of kind of randomness that, that plays its part. That's really what I took from your book. And it made me excited too, because there's some magic to this. And yet there's much that you say we can control to really create more of these kinds of opportunities. Exactly. And that's something, you know, when you think about it, we always think about luck as this kind of passive thing that just happens to us. But actually, when you think about the example you just mentioned, or, you know, up to 50% of innovations, inventions, um, when you think about how people might have found, in my case, for example, the love of my life, or our co-founder, or, um, you know, our new client, a lot of times that's kind of those serendipitous moments where if we trace it back, it's not just about the moment itself, it's about something happening and we doing something with it and you know take the quintessential example um if you have erratic hand movements like i do you spill a lot of coffee and so imagine you're, <laughs> you're, you're in a coffee shop and you spill coffee over someone and they look at you a little bit annoyed but you sense there might be something there you don't know what it is you just sense there might be something there and now you have two options right option number one is you just say i'm so sorry you walk outside and you think ah what could have happened had I spoken with that person? And option two, you know, you start a conversation and that person turns out to become the love of your life, your co-founder, you name it. And so it's really, what do we do with that unexpected moments? How do we make the accident meaningful? And that's what makes serendipity so exciting to me that it's really about this idea of, can we use every moment? And we talked about this um, when we talked uh, before the show, right? How do you make every moment meaningful? Even if it's an accident, if it's a crisis, how do you reframe that moment into a potential opportunity? And then also, I'm sure we'll talk about how we can also create more meaningful accidents. Yeah, I love that. I love the nuance of meaning that you tie to all this, because I really think that's what life's about. We're all going to have these experiences one way or the other, but it's how we interpret them that I think adds meaning and elevates our lives. So I want to back up a second and make sure I'm understanding what you mean by serendipity. How do you define it? Is it luck? Yeah, I really see it as this kind of smart luck, you know, the unexpected good luck that comes from that intersection between randomness and our own action. So like in this coffee shop example, or, you know, take one of my favorite examples is the potato washing machine, you know, where um, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, there was this company producing washing machines. And, you know, they had farmers call them up and say, your crappy washing machine is always breaking down. So they asked them, well, why is it breaking down? Well, we're trying to wash our potatoes in it. It doesn't seem to work. And so, you know, that's unexpected. And so mm -hmm. what we might usually do is to say, well, you know, don't wash your potatoes in there, right? It's not made for that. We have that kind of idea of what's right and what's wrong. Um, but, you know, in that example, they essentially said, look, that's unexpected, but there's a lot of farmers in China who might have a similar problem. So why don't we build in a dirt filter and make it a potato washing machine? And that's how unexpectedly the potato washing machine emerged. That's how things like Viagra emerged and, and so on. And they always seem like kind of, it was just like, lucky that they found a market niche or it was lucky that there's a new medication or lucky that the love of your life met you in the coffee shop but you know what you had to work for it it was smart luck it wasn't just blind luck 
Well, you say in the book that part of that working for it is we got to notice. You say that we all have these experiences happening to us all the time. And the difference between people who are luckier than others, quotes, is is that they're the ones who are noticing like, oh, instead of being closed and saying, oh, you're a stupid potato farmer, stop washing the potatoes. They're like, huh, maybe I can help you with this, right? There's a different way of engaging in the world then. Absolutely. And I think, you know, that, that kind of is definitely a big part of it. And I think I've always been a big fan of that experiment um, where they really kind of try to show how important it is the way we look at the world um, and, and how that in a way almost sometimes becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because we we are more alert, uh, we see situations differently, we might see more in a moment to your point. Um, and so in this experiment, what they did was they took people who self-identify as, as lucky, so people who say good things tend to happen to me, XYZ, and people who self-identify as unlucky, so people who say bad things happen to me, I'm always in accidents, these kind of things. And we probably all know people on that kind of spectrum in, in our lives, you know, from on, or on that continuum. Mm -hmm. um, and so they, they pick one of each and they say, walk down the street, go into a coffee shop, grab a coffee and sit down. And then we'll do our interview, we'll do our conversation. What they don't tell them is that there's hidden cameras alongside the street and inside the coffee shop. There is a five pound note, so money in front of the coffee shop. And inside the coffee shop, the seat that's empty is next to this extremely successful businessman who can make big ideas happen. Now, the lucky person walks down the street, sees the five pound note, sees the money, picks it up, goes inside the shop, orders the coffee, sits on that seat next to the businessman. They have a small conversation, exchange business cards, potential opportunity coming up. The unlucky person walks down the street, steps over the five pound note, so doesn't mm -hmm. see it, goes inside the shop, order the coffee, sits down, ignores the businessman, that's that. And at the end of the day, they ask both people, how was your day today? And so the lucky person says, it was amazing. I found money in the street. I made a new friend and, you know, potential opportunity coming out of it. We don't know that part. The unlucky person just says, well, nothing really happened. And that's really to your point, right? That yes, there's the second part around extroversion. It can help us to actually interact with people, but we can definitely talk more about how actually, you know, closet introverts like myself, have a lot of serendipity from, from calm and silent sources. And we can definitely talk more about that. But I think the first part is really the part that, um, you know, the, the alertness to it, that's expecting that you might find money in the street makes you look out for it more, uh, even if you don't know that it will be there, but you being alert actually makes it more likely that you will find it. Often we are close to that unexpected or that uncertainty because we're afraid that it might veer off the path in the wrong direction, right? So, so we are we worry about uncertainty, and and the point you make is, uncertainty is simply that. Uncertainty can be a new marriage that we want, or a new job that could be fantastic, or it could be an unknown diagnosis. It it. My point is, it doesn't necessarily indicate something bad is about to happen. We can open to that unexpected and really draw more of the good stuff into our lives. That's what we'll talk about next, right after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we're back. Dr. Christian Bush. How can we find more serendipity in our life? 
you know, I grew up in Germany. I was trained in this idea. You have to plan everything out. You have to map everything out. And if you don't do it, life is over, right? Like a very kind of, you know, have, have, a, have a clear plan. Yeah. And then life happens and you're like, oh my God, anxiety everywhere because life is just not unfolding the way um, I wanted to. Uh, it, it wasn't part of my plan in X, Y, Z ways. Uh, and, and so it's, it's really kind of something that I've seen a lot. I, I work a lot with, with um, different types of, of leaders. And what I find fascinating about them is that a lot of times they have this illusion of control, right? Where they're like, oh, like, like I, I think I can control more than I actually can. Or they feel they have to portray control towards the outside. Otherwise, they feel they, they, they seem like weak leaders. And what I found fascinating about this is that, you know, we've probably all done it in our own lives, right? Where let's say we take our CV and we go to our next employer and we might tell the story in a linear way, right? We might say, oh, and then I really wanted to go into this area. And then I really wanted to change into this area. Yeah, but maybe you just ran into someone at a conference who told you about a new thing and you liked it and then you joined, but you didn't see it coming, right? And so it's really this idea that we always have this plan and then real life happens, which is a bit more like a squiggle. Um, and then we tell it still step by step by step. And I think the reason that is a lot of times is because to your point, we feel it, it's, it's almost like an imperfection. It, it's, it, it wasn't part of my plan versus what I'm really curious and excited about is to say, how do we make this part of the plan? How do we make the unexpected into an ally? Like in this example of the potato washing machine, it's not that this feedback from farmers threatens the strategy of the, of the organization and says, you guys weren't able to plan this. The opposite, it says, hey, if you're open to this, it's a sign of an open mind that you can actually integrate this. And so I'm actually a big fan of, you know, for example, asking in team meetings from time to time, what surprised you last week? Just to legitimize this idea that it's okay to be surprised. It's okay to have the unexpected happen. Well, I, I want to use that as a simply start segment. Folks, think about this. Think about how can we can open ourselves to the experience and by being alert and open what we will draw into our lives. It's there waiting for us. So simply start today by thinking about what surprised you this week or today or last week. Go into life with wonder and alertness. And I'll be curious what you discover, because I will tell you what I was the planned woman too, Dr. Bush. I had it all mapped out by the time I was 12 years old. And <laughs> it wasn't until I veered off the plan and let loose of some of those tightly held goals that life really opened up and took me in unexpected places that are just great. You know, I'm, I'm living the dream in, in a lot of ways. And and I think all the time, like, what if I held so tight? Think of the things I would have missed along the way. How do we learn to relax a little and be open because it does sound, you know, when you talked about leaders don't want to admit they got like, I mean, I feel some of that. I, I don't want to tell people, yeah, I, I published, you know, books because I just got lucky, you know, <laughs> I want them to think I'm super smart and that's how that happened, you know, or whatever it is. So how do we get over our own biases about that? Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I feel I, I would have two answers to the one is really that in a way, a lot of this work is actually about saying once we have vocabulary for the idea that this is actually an active approach, like this is an active approach to leadership during uncertainty, like this is something uh, Tom Commons, uh, sorry, uh, Tom Linneberger said that beautifully, who, who, who runs a, a larger company in the US, he would say, look, cultivating serendipity for me is the only way to really manage during uncertainty because you 
you, 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 that is like creating a, a positive culture that allows people to have that happen is the only way to truly innovate, the only way to truly progress. And so what I've seen with, with those kind of leaders is that they are extremely good at saying, let's have a certain sense of direction. Let's have a certain idea of where we're going, a certain North Star, whatever it is, or an interest, and then really kind of build in the idea that the, the, the exact way of how we do this might come from the most unexpected places and, and that's okay. And, but more importantly, to your point, we all have these deep underlying fears, right? In some way, some more, more expressively than others. In my case, you know, there's always an imposter syndrome somewhere. There's always um, fear of rejection, all these different types of things that in a way make us want to follow the path we know, right? Because that's the mm -hmm. kind of safe path. That's the path that doesn't question us in terms of our identity or um, you, you name it, um, versus the most interesting, beautiful, wondrous things obviously coming from that kind of slight discomfort of not knowing exactly what's what's happening. And, and what I find fascinating about this is, um, you know, take the coffee shop example. Um, I've always, um, you know, as someone who has had a, a fear of rejection, um, you know, it, I always thought, oh, the worst thing that can happen to me is in the coffee shop that someone says, no, I don't want to talk with you now, or no, I, I don't want to go on a meeting or whatever it is, right? So, or the conference speaker, and I go there and they say, no, I'm sorry, I don't have time for you now. And then I realized, you know what, actually, the worst thing is me not going to that person because the walking outside and thinking the whole day what could have happened is, is actually what consumes the most energy. And that's the kind of nagging feeling of, ah, I should have, I should have, I should have. And so it's really kind of like that reframing of saying, you know what, what's the worst thing that can happen here? And maybe the worst thing is actually not acting on it, not doing anything about it. And I feel like then kind of getting into simple practices of saying, okay, you know what, let me send 20 grand proposals that are extremely unlikely to get it. And getting used to that rejection is just this natural part of life. And then let me send 20 applications to something else that's kind of a stretch goal. And, and probably they say no, but you know what? That's just part of it. And, and I think to me, that was actually one of the biggest realizations in life is that really this idea, when a door closes, usually other doors open and those doors might actually have the much more beautiful room. And I think to me that, um, you know, uh, this idea that yes, your dream company said no, but actually, you know what? Maybe they said no for a reason. Maybe it wasn't the best fit or maybe, you know, that other company was just more meant for you. And so I've become a big believer of these kind of small working on, on our small kind of uh, biases in that way by, by starting to reframe those situations and seeing meaning in a, in a denial, seeing meaning in a rejection and saying, what is this telling me? Is this telling me not only that I should improve X, Y, Z, but also maybe I should look somewhere else? Yeah, I think it consumes a lot more of my energy to go through life wondering what would have happened if I'd done something, <laughs> right? I mean, that's what I end up obsessing about. At first, I'm all nervous. Well, I can't approach her or him or whatever. And then I spend all this energy thinking about it. And that's not how I want to be. I want to be out there just learning and seeing what will happen. And, and of course, you roll with some punches and you get rejected and so forth. That can be okay too. Like you said, we can find a much more beautiful relationship or place or job or whatever it is. You mentioned something a few minutes ago that really spoke to me. Calm and silent introverts can also attract serendipity. Now that spoke to me because I am definitely more of an introvert. And yet I feel like I have this stuff going on in my life all the time. How can we cultivate it no matter who we are? How can we find more serendipity in our life? And if we are more uh, insular and quiet, how can that show up for us? Yeah, that's a great question. I completely relate and resonate with it. Uh, you know, I'm the kind of person I love speaking 
uh, in front of a large group of people and then I'm hiding in the bathroom because I'm like, oh my God, I need to replenish my energy now. Right. Um, so it's kind of really this, um, you know, spikes of extroversion and then really kind of, again, trying to, to, uh, to replenish. Um, and, and, and there's, there's three things that, that come to mind. One is around saying, how can I, as an introvert, have extroverts around me who do some of this for me? So uh, mm. what do I mean with this? Um, whenever I have a new idea, for example, um, let's say a new book idea or so that I want to have people spread, I'm trying to, whenever I go to an event or wherever I go, speak with a host first or speak with a person who I know will walk around and talk with a lot of people and try to get them excited because if they're excited, they will talk with everyone about it. And they actually, you know, are, are probably much better at, at communicating it uh, anyways. And so it's really this kind of idea of who are the, the uh, extrovert multipliers who could, could take an idea and, and really spread it or um, how could I kind of work with extroverts in some way that, that really kind of um, caters, caters to, to their um, passions in, in that regard. Uh, a second, I, and by the way, an example there really is, for example, an insurance I've been working with, they, uh, when they go to a new client, let's say a school, they would first talk with the people they feel are best connected, because once they get excited, they then tell a lot of other people about it. And, and that's kind of like how um, uh, uh, this whole multiplication effect then um, happens for them. A second one um, that I'm a big fan of is really silent sources, right? Calm sources. So um, a lot of serendipity in my case, for example, happens from when I read books or let's say I take another way to work in the morning and I see something in a bookstore and I'm like, oh my God, like this, like nobody has spoken about this for a lot, long time. Uh, X was that book title. Maybe that could be a podcast. Maybe that could be something else. So it's really connecting the dots based on movies, uh, reading, uh, those kind of different things. And then third really is about um, how introverts are so extremely important for extroverts to give meaning to extroverts experiences because a lot of times if you're a truly deeply extrovert person you might be out there you might be running the whole time but then you might really enjoy this time and you will see that in relationships a lot of times right that extroverts will be a bit of an introvert and then the introvert helps them make sense out of it and, and say hey let's ground this let's make this meaningful and let's also filter and let's see what's really relevant here and so long story short I feel there's there's both things how we can leverage extroversion but also how we can find introversion but I think there's practices that we can all use in our day-to-day -day that actually doesn't mean we have to do more of something, but just that means we have to do some things differently. So for example, uh, if we anyways, every uh, week have um, a meeting with someone with whom we have to catch up because they're a good client or whatever it is, like asking slightly different questions or using the hook strategy that we could talk about, which is all about putting relevant, interesting dots out there that the other person can connect. Like essentially we can use existing interactions that we anyways have to have to then spark more serendipity. That's a great idea. That's really interesting because there's a certain amount of stuff we have to do every week that we tend to think our routine, right? We, we get in these mundane habits and you're saying that that's where serendipity can happen. You mentioned being alert as, as one of the things, but obviously being alert in, in every relationship we have or the things we go through life, whether we're at the grocery store or talking to a, a business partner. Exactly, exactly. And really, I mean, there, Molly, I'm a big fan of, of, of this idea of every interaction or even with a kind of, you know, the, the, the aunt we really didn't want to catch up with or I don't know, we're in a Italian fisher town and we think, oh my God, I really didn't want to talk with this person, but now I'm stuck with them. Uh, for X, Y, Z reason, and, and I have to make conversation. 
it's up to us then to imbue meaning into that conversation, right? And to not have it just autopilot, what do you do, blah, blah, blah. And, and I'm a big fan there of the hook strategy, which is about saying, hey, you know, use the serendipity journal or whatever it is. So, so just kind of some, some, you know, sheet of paper where you write down, what are some of the things that you're interested, curious about at the moment? So, you know, in my case, I don't know, um, how to get the serendipity mindset into curricula in school. And then how do I build that into every conversation? Like, how do I, how do I seed that as a side note when I catch up with my colleague? I'm like, oh, hey, great. Like, I'm just running over from the other meeting where we talked about the curriculum for serendipity mindset, but great to be here now. And surprisingly, often people are like, oh my God, such a coincidence. I didn't know you work on this. Let me connect you with my uncle who's mm. running a school. And so um, there's this amazing uh, uh, guy in London, Ollie Barrett, and he perfectionized this uh, hook strategy where if you would ask him this dreaded question that we all get, right, what do you do? He wouldn't just say, I'm a technology entrepreneur. He would say, I'm a technology entrepreneur, recently started reading into the philosophy of science, but what I'm really excited about is playing the piano. And so what he's doing here is he's giving you three potential hooks where you could be like, oh my God, such a coincidence. I'm hosting Piano Martinez, you should stop by. Oh my God, such a coincidence. I, my, my sister is teaching on the philosophy of science. You should give a guest lecture. The point is we can use every interaction, especially the usual autopilot interactions, to see a couple of these new things. And surprisingly often, especially colleagues that we know so well, have surprising social capital or else that we didn't even know about that they can then connect the dots for us with. I think that is a great idea. Like while you were talking, I was envisioning how I'm going to use this right now, right after we get off this call. Because uh, not only does that bring more opportunities into both of our lives, right? The people we're talking to and the, and the people we're, um, who are talking with us, but it's also more fun and interesting. Like it's a way of getting to know each other that could, pay, like the editor I met with years ago that paid off down the line. When she knew I was doing this other kind of work, she called me up. And, and I think one thing you said in your book that's super important to me is this isn't necessarily about winning the lottery or finding a million dollars. This is about creating those connections and the dots to create meaning in your life. So you're feeling satisfied and connected and engaged and fulfilled in the things that really make life feel good and valuable and worthwhile. Absolutely. And, and, and there's actually two things that come to mind there. One is, you know, we always assume that people are more different from us than they actually are, right? So if I go to an Italian fisher village and there's the fisher woman or the fisherman, and I think, wow, they're different from me. Like they, they live here in the village. I'm here in the city. I'm doing X, Y, Z. They do this. And so if I just ask them, what do you do? It will essentially show that difference, right? Versus if I, if I ask them about what do you love doing and why do you love it? Like then they will open up and they might say, oh my God, like I love fishing because it gives me the wonder of the sea and it gives me the, the eternity of life or whatever it is, right? And then we can connect based on this and say, wow, like we are both longing for the faraway or wow, we're, we're both going through transitions or wow, we both lost a loved one. You know what I mean? Like it's both, we can, mm -hmm. we can essentially find common denominators better if we assume that everyone has a beautiful story. Everyone has some common denominator with us and it's usually up to us to discover this. And, and a lot of times, unfortunately, we don't. And so we close us uh, to that. And that really comes also to the second point that, you know, I think creating meaning, especially in situations that feel meaningless. To me, that's like one of the biggest challenges and, and beautiful things in life, because then every crisis becomes an opportunity for finding meaning. 
Um, you know, in my case, for example, I had severe COVID uh, infection last year, um, almost died of it, 911 on speed dial. And that was like this kind of situation where it was like, wow, like life could be over. And hey, like, what are the things in my life that I want to do differently? You know, and I realized, okay, well, I had neglected the idea of building a family. I had focused so much on passion and impact and so on. And so I opened my eyes to that area in life. And, you know, like, like, like soon thereafter, so serendipitously, so an old friend connected and, and, you know, now we have a baby on the way. And it's, it's kind of like, it, it, it became the, the most beautiful of, of, of romantic, beautiful um, 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 stories. And, and, you know, that rooted in itself, right, in tough breakups over time, where people break up with one or so, and you feel in the moment, oh, my God, like, life is over. But then you wouldn't have had the situation today, hadn't those breakups hadn't happened, hadn't this reorientation happened, and so on. So long story short, I feel finding meaning in crises in some way and, and, and trying to figure out what is it in that crisis that I can still take from that. But also then second, how can I create meaning and creating meaning, especially in moments that feel meaningless, I feel that's extremely powerful. And I think it's powerful to remember that we can do that for ourselves, right? We're not talking about living an easy life and being happy all the time and always comfortable. I mean, that's not what this is about, but we can take the experiences we're having and transform them by finding the beauty within them, even when it's an ugly beauty, even when it's a hard beauty, finding the purpose, the way to reach out and contribute to another, to be a part of this community or your family. That's at the core of this, right? To say, this is not about changing your whole life and, and, and changing everything. This is about small practices, right? This is about saying, yeah, like, can I take another street to work tomorrow and just open my eyes to everything I encounter on the way? The person who's sitting there, um, the person who's walking there, just appreciating that and then realizing, wow, actually, there's so much richness in life all the time. And a lot of us are in fight or flight all the time, right? We're like running to your point. It might be, it might be disease. It might be, it might be, you know, extreme stress at work. It might be whatever it is, but we're constantly kind of in this like constant motion of, of in a way, like 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 being on that treadmill of, of life um and and really kind of allowing for that like breathing and saying hey what is there in this moment that 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 actually like enriches my life with meaning um and i think you know uh, that's something what i found fascinating actually i remember um so i used to live in in london for for a long time before i came to the us and um i was at a university there where uh, a very british colleague of mine a very english colleague of mine um, when I told him first about, you know, hey, like I'm working on this serendipity and, and so on. And he was like, Christian, but I don't think I need serendipity in my life. I'm happy. Like I have everything. Like, you know, I have a good job. I have a good family. I don't need anything. And so I, we made a deal. We were like, look, why don't you do one or two tweaks in your kind of daily routine? Like when you go to the coffee shop in the morning, you ask one different question. Or when you speak with your colleagues in your routine meeting, like you do one thing differently. And then we'll talk again in a few weeks and, and just let's talk about it. And so a few weeks later, he comes back and he's like, Christian, I didn't know life can be so joyful. <laughs> and, 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 you know, to me, that really sums it up to say, we can't know what we don't know. And, and serendipity is about potentiality. It's about what could be. It could be so much more joyful. It could be so much more purposeful and it could be so much more successful. And I think that's kind of um, what, what this is all about. I love it. I loved your book. And I think it's simply nifty folks go out and check out Dr. Christian Bush's book, The Serendipity Mindset, The Art and Science of Creating Good Luck. You can get it wherever books are sold. And it really is about opening and engaging with your life 
in a new way, in a surprising and interesting way about drawing connections and building relationships and interpreting things in a way that creates possibility and opportunity for you so that we can have more meaning and more fun in this life. Dr. Bush, thank you so much for being here. Where can we find more about your work? Uh, the homepage is serendipitymindset.com and on Twitter, I'm at Chris Serendip and yeah, very much looking forward to keeping in touch with everyone who's listening, delighted to continue the conversation and interact. And thank you so much, Polly, for bringing us together. Well, thank you for coming. I, I'm really fascinated by this idea. You've given me a lot to think about and I'm going to go out and try some of this. I think when we hold our head up and we're alert and we're engaging with the world and interacting with others in a new way that we can create our own serendipity and that can open our life in all kinds of ways and add meaning to our experience. When we do that, we will all live well, do good and be happy. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes out now on Electric House Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music. Welcome to Tuning In to Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonise your mind, body and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together we explore vibrations, frequencies and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning In to Sound Wellbeing today.